Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 70 of the Mo Money Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm excited you're here. I missed you. It's been a whole week without you, and I didn't like it. So I'm back with another fresh episode with the fabulous Erin Murray as my guest. Uh, in case you don't know, I don't know how, because she's all on the Twitter, so you may have seen her name around, but she is the Managing Director at 88 Creative, a Toronto-based creative communications agency. Um, but beyond that, she is also a writer for the Financial Post. She has a monthly column there. She's a tech commentator on CTV News and News Talk 1010. Oh my gosh, the list of credits goes on and on. But I would say my personal favorite is she was retweeted by Oprah, not once, but twice. Now that's kind of, I mean goals, right? Hashtag goals right there. So me and Erin chit chat about, um, her, uh, you know, going to school, student loans, figuring out personal finance, and then rocking the business marketing world here in Toronto. So you were in for a treat. But before I get to that interview, thanks to Just Wealth for supporting this episode of the Mo Money Podcast. In case you don't know, Just Wealth is Canada's most comprehensive online investment platform. And make sure to visit justwealth.com slash Jessica-Morehouse for a special $50 bonus when you sign up for an account. Just Wealth, investing the way it should be just for you. Now let's get to that interview, shall we? Thank you, Erin, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm a regular listener, so I'm very excited to be a guest on today's episode. Ooh, a guest and a fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, no, I'm excited. I mean, I'm a fan of yours, too. I saw you speak at uh, the Canadian Personal Finance Conference last year, and you were awesome. So this is kind of the best episode yet. Well, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think it's better than Preet Banerjee's episode. So there you eh, go. <laughs> Preet who? He's old news. I know. <laughs> We'll tweet, him. we'll tweet him to call him out in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will. Um, so first, let's. I want to kind of jump in. Like the reason I really wanted to talk to you is you're very successful. You have an amazing career. You're doing so many awesome things, things that I aspire to at a very young age. So I think we can all learn a lot from what you've done in your career. But I kind of want to go, let's start from the beginning, learn a bit about you. Were you, I feel like people that, you know, are entrepreneurial or, you know, eventually go on to own a small business you know, they must be good at managing their money, like at the beginning, or, you know, it's just something in them that they just know how to do it. Was that kind of your route or? <laughs> Definitely not. First of all, I think, you know, there's always this question of are entrepreneurial entrepreneurial people born or do they become that way? And I definitely wasn't born entrepreneurial. My parents both, um, you know, my dad is a, was a small town community newspaper reporter. My mom worked at uh, Nortel and marketing. So they both kind of worked for big corporations. And I didn't really know that entrepreneurialism or, or being a small business owner was even a career mm -hmm. avenue that you could take. Uh, yeah, me neither. I know. <laughs> and, and my mom also worked at Nortel at the time when its stock price was about $120. And so there mm -hmm. were some good times when I in high school, you know, yeah. there was bonuses and trips and I didn't really have a, a good grasp on, on money and that it could yeah. run out and that you had to worry <laughs> about things like bills and credit card statements. So I had a really great uh, childhood and then unfortunately the Nortel stocks crashed uh, just after mm -hmm. I went to university and my mom and my stepdad who both worked there um, had to find new roles. And I think that period, although it was probably the toughest financially for them, it taught me a lot about 
budgeting. And um, at that point, I had already been sent to collections for my $500 student credit card, because again, I did not really understand the concept of uh, what a credit card was, as most students don't. And, uh, and yeah, so I think, you know, my university years, I definitely learned a lot about, uh, about budgeting, about, you know, running into tough financial situations and the ups and downs of, of, um, finances throughout your life. And it was only really once I entered the working world that I got exposed to the world of startups and entrepreneurialism. And that, um, I learned, you know, you have to apply the budgeting lessons you learn in your personal life to your life as a business owner as well. (laughs) Absolutely. It definitely seems like if you want to go the startup route or the kind of entrepreneurial route, you do need to know how to kind of live the frugal life a little bit. I think a lot of people kind of forget that side of things. They probably just look at like Silicon Valley and be like, oh no, working for a startup means, you know, you'll have to kind of work hard and, you know, for little pay at the beginning, but then you're eventually going to be one of the, you know, Snapchat kings or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's this big misconception around startups that number one, it's really easy to get funding because you see people like Snapchat and Uber raising hundreds of millions of dollars at billion dollar Mm -hmm. valuations. And that also all startups become successful and that every startup ends with, you know, people rolling around in buckets of money. And that's just (laughs) not the case. The majority of startups, unfortunately, fail. And even the startups that are successful, it takes an average of seven years to go from launch to, to a sale or an IPO or an acquisition. So realistically, you have several years of slogging it through and eating ramen noodles and and really trying to save money before you ever get to a point where your company starts to take off and you're able to, you know, make it big. And I think a perfect example mm-hmm. of that is Airbnb. The founders of Airbnb yep. in the first couple months, they actually um, created, it was during the election, John McCain versus Obama, and they created mm-hmm. the Obama O's cereal and sold, I think, $100,000 worth. And that's how they actually financed Airbnb and were able to to live while they were getting it off the ground. And I think, you know, A, that shows the hustle, but B, it shows that, you know, startups aren't successful from day one and you often have to be really creative and, and also um, live on next to nothing in order to make them successful. Mm-hmm. And there's always the, you know, slight chance that you can kind of go in at the beginning and work really hard and put all those years in. And then it just, you know, the startup just does not start up. Well, <laughs> it's like Exactly. Bye. And I mean, the first startup. So I, I after I got out of journalism school, I worked at a PR agency for about a year. And then I was introduced to this really amazing uh, female entrepreneur named Sarah Prevett. She's an awesome serial entrepreneur. And she mm-hmm. uh, she was starting a company and wanted me to join her as the, uh, as the community manager. And I had no idea what I was doing, but kind of dove in. And that was my first kind of exposure to the startup world and exposed me to the idea that, you know, you don't have this, these infinite resources like you do at a larger company. And you just have to kind of Mm -hmm. keep your head down, work really hard. And I mean, we went through really tough times where we had angel investment to start. um, Mm -hmm. And then we we ended up running out of that. And, you know, we all took pay cuts. So I always joke that I was making less at the end of my time at that company than I was at the beginning. And, um, (laughs) and yeah, so I think there's, you know, there's lots of ups and downs to startups. But, um, but yeah, it it was a, a really valuable experience for me, at least getting into the startup world and learning that there's this whole entrepreneurial world that allows you to take control of your destiny. Mm-hmm. So what what are some of the key things that you learned working for a startup? Because I've never worked uh, at a startup myself. I've always kind of done the corporate thing. So I'm very interested in what kind of things do you learn that maybe you wouldn't get out of just working a normal kind of traditional company? For sure. I mean, I think you definitely learn the idea of resourcefulness. So when I joined my first startup, it was 
just Sarah, who is the CEO, uh, Grant, who is our full-time developer, and then myself. So, you know, in a big organization, you have kind of this very defined role where you're doing marketing, but you're doing this very specific function of marketing and you are Mm -hmm. at X seniority level. And so you're only, your job description includes these five things. And until you earn the right to be at the next level, um, you know, you're only allowed to do those five things. I think startups are very different in that number one, there's no, there's nobody else above or below you in in many cases, especially at an early stage startup. So you get exposed to a lot of things that are really above your pay grade and your experience level. And number two, I mean, you just have to do things that are outside of your your level of experience. So for example, I I was a journalism grad. I had experience with marketing Mm -hmm. and PR, but I was often doing things like sales and business development and partnerships and event planning and things that I had just never done before. So I find one of the benefits of startups is that even though you have limited resources and that you don't have the budgets of a big company, you can really punch above your weight and you can get so much Mm -hmm. experience combined into a much shorter period of time. Absolutely. Totally agree. So you said you that uh, you studied journalism, but now your career is more the PR digital media side. How did you kind of get into that? It seems like kind of a, a very a big leap from journalism. Yeah, so it's funny. My my dad and my mom are both journalism grads, so it kind of runs in the family. <laughs> and my dad, as I mentioned, was a, a longtime community newspaper reporter, and my mom went into marketing. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know, number one there's a lot more money in marketing than there is in journalism. So part it was definitely, yeah. fi- I mean, we are on a financial podcast, so I have to say that uh, part yeah. of it was financially motivated. But it was also that I knew journalism, you know, after talking to my parents about their experience, I knew that journalism taught you, you know, how to be a great writer, how to write succinctly and clearly, how to interview people and interact with people uh, and just kind of taught you how to be a great communicator. And I knew that that would mm-hmm. be applicable to, you know, marketing or whatever I ended up going into. And it was only in my fourth year that uh, I took a public relations course and kind of fell in love with that and decided to pursue that after I graduated. But, you know, I think looking looking at the journalism and the media landscape now, it was almost, you know, prescient that I I knew that I wanted to go into marketing and a lot of people who, you know, raised their hand and said, I want to be a hardcore journalist when I graduate. A lot of them are now working in marketing because it's just not <laughs> the same landscape that it was 20, 30 years ago. So it's true. at least it has stood me in good stead. And I actually spent um, three years running a startup publication called Beta Kit. So I, I have kind of dabbled in the, the journalism space and I absolutely love it. But I think there's definitely a lot more opportunity uh, on the marketing side right now. For better or for Absolutely. worse. <laughs> and I, well, I mean, as the same way, I, I thought I was going to be a filmmaker and I work in marketing now. So, but I feel like, you know, kind of like you said, there's just because you don't necessarily do the exact thing that you went to school for, like journalism or filmmaking or whatever, you can still kind of dabble in those things if you were to go in a different career, especially marketing, because it can kind of be pretty malleable and flexible as what I found in my career. Well, and think about, I mean, being a filmmaker is really all about being a storyteller. And I think that's really what mm-hmm. you do in marketing. So, although, you're not doing that. I'm sure, you know, in marketing, there's a lot of opportunities for creating videos and doing really awesome, you know, storytelling. So you're still a filmmaker in some respects. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'd like to think. <laughs> um, so after working for that startup, uh, you know, out of university, then you started working at 88 Creative, which you are now the managing director of. Yes, it's a very fancy title that I gave myself. It sounds super I tried to fancy. Think fan- That's another thing about startups is that you can pretty much give yourself whatever title you want. <laughs> 
So I was like, what is what makes me sound the absolute most fanciest that I could possibly sound? And I came up with managing director. Yeah, it sounds good. You picked a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think <laughs> president was a little bit too fancy. So I went one step <laughs> down. Yeah. Of course. So, what are you, what do you kind of uh, do there? Yeah, <laughs> as managing director. So, other than make up fancy titles for myself, I mean, when I joined uh, Eighty Eight Creative, it was kind of a four person social media agency, and I came in and was tasked with building the brand of Eighty Eight Creative, since nobody really knew about it, uh, mm-hmm. and expanding the scope of services, and then also just building the client base. So, uh, I joined three years ago, and since then we've grown from four people to 11 people. We've uh, added a public relations division and a graphic design practice, and we've really expanded our, our client base. We used to be almost exclusively real estate, and now I would say we're, you know, we focus mostly on consumer technology. So, you know, apps that you probably mm-hmm. use on your phone or e-commerce mm-hmm. companies, and then we do a lot of lifestyle and consumer. So we work with a pet food brand and beauty products, and and yeah, we now offer you know PR, graphic design, digital marketing, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really grown in the last few years. So my role is really just to you know raise the profile of of the company through speaking engagements and the media appearances that I do, and really fun self promo campaigns. We did one last summer called Agency or Porn, which is really fun. It mm-hmm. Asks you to choose whether the name of something is an adult film or an advertising agency. So that was a fun one. Although my my senior designer has some questionable search history now. Uh, yeah, I bet. And uh, and yeah, I do a lot of the new new business development. So you know, working with any inquiries that come in, um, sourcing new business opportunities, working on proposals, and then I do a lot of client work. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if you are really an entrepreneurial person. You don't want to be the person that just sits in a boardroom and stares at Excel spreadsheets. You want to be the person who's still scribbling on the napkin and who's still getting their hands dirty. So for me, you know, mm-hmm. I love still working on a lot of the the startup and technology clients and working on their digital marketing and their PR strategies. And so I think it's fun to, you know, sit and have that 10,000 foot view of managing the people in the company and managing the, the growth strategy, but then also kind of getting down into the weeds and working on, you know, making your clients successful. Absolutely. So, you know, it seems like a big part of your job is obviously raising the profile of 88 Creative, and but you've also really done a great job of raising your profile as Aaron Bury. Like when I was Googling you, I'm like, damn, you got some good <laughs> good results going on there. So how did you, because I know a, a big thing, and, and this is what you spoke about at the conference last year, was about personal branding, which I agree is so important, no matter kind of what you do, if you're an entrepreneur, or if you just want to do a career, but you want to kind of progress in the career and get known in your field, you know, how did you, because for instance, you, you write for the Financial Post, you've also been quoted in some huge publications like Forbes, and then you also got marketing magazines 30 under 30. How did you accomplish all of these things? What what would you kind of say helped you get to, the, uh, to this point? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And I, I love talking about personal branding, because I do think <laughs> it's it's super important. And I, if, if you had asked me, you know, when I was first starting out at, at the startup, um, right out of school, I wouldn't have even known what it was or thought that it was important. And it was really kind of an accident that I started to build my profile. When you're at a startup, um, you know, you are when you're the marketing department, you're so synonymous with the company. It's not like mm-hmm. when you're one of a hundred marketing people working for a big multinational corporation. I was, you know, the only person doing marketing for this startup. I was running community 
community events and attending events mm-hmm. and writing blog posts. And I kind of became the face of this company. And so when people would follow the company on social media, they would also follow me by extension. So it was just kind of this accidental thing that I started to grow my online presence. And I started, you know, just as part of our marketing strategy, giving talks to entrepreneurs about how to leverage social media and you know, started writing submitted posts for for media outlets. And I saw, you know, every time I did something like that, the membership on our social network would jump. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just knew I realized that a personal brand is a great tool for you as a, a person trying to get more exposure, but it's also a really powerful tool for growing your business. And I think that's something that, you know, when you're at a startup, you have to use everything in your toolkit to raise the profile. So personal brands are imperative to growing that profile. And when you look at the most successful startups, like, you know, Virgin, although it's not a startup now, Richard mm-hmm. Branson is the face of it. And Jack Dorsey is the face of Square and Twitter. And so most, um, most entrepreneurs understand the power of a personal brand, and they put a lot of effort effort into forming that. Whereas when you're working at a larger company, you're not always encouraged to build that individual profile. It's more so about raising the profile of the company. Um, so mm-hmm. once I started to understand the power of it, I really started to proactively go after those things like speaking engagements and, you know, media opportunities. And I think, you know, a lot of people say, well, how did you get 30 under 30? To be honest, mm-hmm. I'm nominated myself. And yeah, yeah, you did. did yeah, I did. And, you know, in terms of getting, you know, financial post opportunities or media opportunities, I just write to the editors and, and ask them. And you'd be surprised at how open people are to having you speak at their event or having you submit something in your area of expertise. And I think the biggest challenge with a personal brand is figuring out what is your niche. For me, it -hmm. was, you know, being a woman in technology has been a big one or just being Mm -hmm. a a thought leader on startups and the startup space in Canada. But, you know, everyone's niche is different. And also figuring out what's a unique take on that niche. Is there somebody already doing it? You can't be the next Gail Vazoxlade if you Mm want to talk about personal finance. So what's your approach to it and how are you going to be different? Because if you're emailing the, the, you know, finance editor at the Globe and Mail, and pitching them that you're the next Gail Vazoxlade, you're probably not going to be as successful as if you email them with a really unique take. Absolutely. And, and this is something that I like, I, I am so obsessed with personal branding, especially pa- the past couple of years as I've um, switched careers from kind of a more sales advertising to more digital marketing, just because I feel like everyone, no matter where they are, they can, you know, take, you know, some of this advice. If it just means like, you know, yes, they just always want to work for a company, fine. But I and even part of my job is uh, showing some of the people that I work with, like, you know, what you should have on your LinkedIn page, how to be more searchable. And this is things, you know, if you do want to eventually, um, you know, get promoted or, you know, just uh, move forward in your career, you need to, you know, be clear, it needs to be clear to whoever uh, your boss is, or maybe potential people that are, you know, companies that you want to work with, like, you know, who you are, what you can do, what you're an expert in. So I think that's, you know, pretty valuable. It's true. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people think that personal brand just means, oh, I want to be famous. But I don't think that Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Having a strong personal brand is valuable if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to sell to someone. If I Google you, Mm -hmm. am I able to find you? Can I, do I trust you? Do I think that you're legitimate? It's great. If you're looking for a new job or if you're trying to get a promotion within your company, there are so many reasons to be Googleable and to have a really strong, especially a strong online brand these days. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I think I work with uh, most of the, the team members at 88 Creative are a lot younger. And I'm always, you know, I feel like they're they're nagging grandma that's like, build your personal brand. You'll thank me later. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like pulling teeth sometimes to get them to go to industry events and get them to submit articles to industry publications. But I think, you know, once they speak at an event once or they see an article of theirs published, they really start to, to understand the value of it. And um, it's kind of addictive. Once you start building your personal brand, it's hard to stop. And you've done a great job with it too. You know, you've, I've seen. Oh, well, you know, I've taken some of your advice. So <laughs> well, there you go. There's the Canadian personal finance conference, uh, helping everyone out. It really did. You inspired a lot of people. <laughs> Just like Oprah. Just like Oprah. Also, okay, what if you're, what I love is uh, when I do search you several times, it'll be like your claim to fame is that Oprah tweeted you twice, not once, but twice. Can you tell me what did she retweet you? Like, what were you tweeting about that she like loved? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think I have to start by saying that I think I need to let that claim to fame go because it was so long ago that now I feel like I don't Oprah, know. I still I was like, it Ooh. happened. Okay, it happened. But it happened. Like, there's a big deal. I know. So it, was when, uh, it was when own was launched. Her network was launching in Canada. And I tweeted kind of this cheeky, almost making fun of her tweet. If you know, Oprah, she loves mm-hmm. giving things away. And she's like, everybody gets cars. So I tweeted, you know, yeah. own launches in Canada today. Everybody gets own. And then she retweeted it, but she removed the part where I kind of made fun of her. Uh, And then she tweeted about a show that was launching and added my name to the end of it as if I was like this super cool person that had to know about this show launch. So that's when I assumed that we were BFFs. And being the entrepreneurial hustler that I was, I actually emailed her own team and said they should hire me to run Own Canada. But unfortunately, I never heard back. You know what? Never hurts to ask. It never. Though. That's what I. The worst they can say is no. <laughs> Another thing you learn in startups: the worst someone can say is no. So you always got to try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If someone says no, try someone else or try again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's exactly like my, my husband's a freelancer. So he's an entrepreneur. And yeah, we have these conversations all the time where, you know, he's like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, kind of different thing. Should I? I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid if someone says no, it's like, or if, you know, he thought a client was going to uh, come through and, you know, he sees on like Facebook, oh, no, I guess they went with someone else. It's like, you know what? move on to the next one. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And I, I mean, my boyfriend always laughs at me because he says, you know, Monday will be the best day of my working life and Tuesday is the worst <laughs> day. I mean, it's just the ups and downs yeah. of being a small business owner or being in any business, to be honest. I mean, even if you work for a larger company, one day you're, you know, you, you're a project was successful and you got or an mm-hmm. amazing email from your boss. And the next day for me, for example, like a client will leave or something will fall through or someone will go with another agency or, you know, there's just so many ups and downs. And I think that's it's inevitable when you're a small business owner and so I totally empathize with him in that struggle I know it sucks it is a struggle the struggle is real yeah <laughs> um since you know you do uh, you're, you're young but you've you know experienced quite a lot uh, especially when it comes to uh you know having a successful career what kind of tidbits of advice would you offer to say someone kind of starting out and they're not maybe sure what path they want to go to but they they definitely have a lot of ambition. Um, they just don't really know where to start. Well, I think definitely the, the number <laughs> one piece of advice I give people is around personal branding. I think, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of 
a lot of applicants that we get, you know, I can't find them online. They don't have a portfolio um, and, and they don't stand out versus some of their peers who are sending in these really amazing Squarespace websites and, you know, samples of writing mm-hmm. that they've done and really strong social media profiles. So I think, you know, especially for people graduating and trying to get a job, you have to stand out by having a really strong online presence, especially if you're applying for a job in marketing or journalism <laughs> or something <Yes>. like that. <laughs> and then yes. second of all, I would say, you know, and maybe this is just a tip for job applicants, but we Mm -hmm. get a lot of job applications at 88 Creative. And I can't tell you how many of them say, dear sir or madam, I would like to work at your agency. It sounds great. Sincerely, (laughs) me. And they're just form emails and they're not well thought out or well researched. And I think, you know, any person that we've hired at 88 Creative, any intern that we've brought on or co-op student, Mm -hmm. it's always been from a really thought out, meaningful interaction. You know, I researched you guys. I saw your agency or porn campaign last summer. It was super funny. I really like the work that you did for Client X. Here's why I'd be an amazing fit. Here's a link to some of the work that I've done. I hope that you can take the time to chat. So I find that the people Mm -hmm. who, you know, put a little bit of thought and effort into their application always stand out. Um, so that's just it in terms of job seeking. And then I would say, you know, try to find a mentor. I think that's really, you know, everyone mm-hmm. says find a mentor, find a mentor. But for me, I was lucky because my mentor was Sarah, the entrepreneur who I, I worked for for several years. But mm-hmm. it really just helped to have someone I could talk to about where I wanted to go in my career and the skills that I was lacking. And I actually joined in a program called Mentor Exchange recently and was paired up with um, the VP of Marketing at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment who manages Ooh. 150 people and manages all of these marketing programs and she's kind of I look at her and I'm like oh my god you're so successful and what she's super (laughs) helpful and um, so for me it's either find a really a formal mentorship opportunity through a program like that or find an informal mentor through a program like 10,000 coffees or just someone that Mm -hmm. you've met in uh, you know at a networking event but if you can have someone that you can kind of bounce ideas off someone that has a little bit more experience than you that can help you navigate as you go through the first years of your career, I think it'll kind of help you avoid some of the mistakes that everybody inevitably makes. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for suggesting those things because I, I, in early in my career, I was also lucky that, you know, my first boss was definitely kind of my unofficial mentor. I worked uh, at the company for three years and I definitely learned a lot from her just because she was, a t- you know, a tough cookie. Um, but as far as like a formal, like how do I actually find a formal mentor? I didn't actually know lots of those uh, things existed. So that's that's good to know that those things, you know, are available to people. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there one other thing I'll say about startups and entrepreneurialism is there's this real idea of paying it forward. Every entrepreneur mm-hmm. who has a successful exit with their company, I always thought, you know, okay, so you sell your company for $20 million. That means you go retire on a beach in the Bahamas and drink mojitos every day. (laughs) But entrepreneurs aren't like that. True entrepreneurs take that money and they, number one, start another company and number two, invest that money in the next generation of entrepreneurs. And they're also really focused on mentorship and mentoring the next generation of entrepreneurs. So startups really taught me that not only should you seek out a mentor, but once you get to a point in your career where you've had a modicum of success, like you have, or I have, we should also Mm -hmm. be offering that to the next generation. So for example, I do weekly office hours where I meet with anyone and everyone who wants to pick my brain about marketing or career advice. And we do it as well on an 88 creative level where every month we invite students or other agencies to come in and just chat about, you know, whatever we want, whatever they want. So uh, Mm -hmm. always something to think about. That's awesome. So 
now that you've already reached this 30 under 30, what do you see next for the next chapter of your career? 40 under 40? Definitely 40 (laughs) under 40. The 30 (laughs) under 30 thing is great. But now that I'm 31, it's kind of expired. I know you recently turned the big 3-0. I really loved your your post about 30 lessons. And it was a painful one to swallow. But um, I know. Yeah, I mean, it really was. (laughs) Still not over. I know, I know. Well, 31, actually, I've I've passed it. It gets better. Yeah, it feels fun. But I mean, I think it's so hard in every job interview you go to, they ask, you know, what's your five year plan or where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I think the difference between the generation before us and us is that we don't know the answer to that question. You know, I Mm -hmm. love 88 Creative. It's my life. I'm super devoted to it, but I have no idea, you know, what I'll be doing in five years. But I do know that it will be entrepreneurial and that I will continue to to build my personal brand and that it will be something that involves startups and technology. So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll Mm -hmm. be Oprah's BFF for real. I'll just replace Gail and, and you'll see me on TV. Oh, you could just be the next Oprah. How about that? I like that idea. <laughs> I really have to practice my I'm giving away 500 cars voice, though. That's true. You have to work on that. But I will. You've got I have time. time. I definitely have time. <laughs> well, thank you, Erin, for chatting with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am very honored to be on the show. And uh, congrats to you on all of your success as well, because I think you know, you've done a really incredible job um, showing the world that we millennials are not lazy, entitled losers, and we actually have a lot to say. (laughs) We are not entitled lazy losers. That's the best quote ever. (laughs) And that was episode 70 of the Mo Money podcast with the awesome Erin Bury. Learn more about her at erinbury.com or check out the show notes for this episode at jessicamorehouse.com slash 70. I will put a lot of good stuffed tidbits about her and everything we talked about in this episode in the show notes. So make sure to check them out. And of course, a big thank you to today's uh, episode sponsor, Just Wealth. Just Wealth is Canada's most comprehensive online investment platform. Make sure to take advantage of the $50 bonus you will get when you sign up with them if you go to justwealth.com slash Jessica dash Morehouse. I will put that link in the show notes so you don't forget jessicamorehouse.com slash 70 and take advantage. Just wealth, investing the way it should be just for you. So thank you for listening and make sure to check out tomorrow's episode because yes, that's right. Tomorrow's Thursday. I've got another listener series episode. That's awesome. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.